0: So uh, we had a great week and um, I want to uh, maybe just in the vein of reflection, just keep that thought going. I'll share with you my top 10 VBS moments of 2016, Um, kind of working from the top down. Number 10 was on the kickoff day, there was um, plenty of water ice, so I went like five times to the water ice station and I made sure there was enough for the crowd, but I also enjoyed it. Um, Number nine moment was uh, actually on the kickoff Sunday, they had an inflatable slide, and it was in the sun, and the the slide got hot, so we said, we had a little meeting, we said, yes, we can use the baptism towels for little carts for the kids to slide down on, so that was good use, our baptism towels were just out there with the kids. Uh, Number eight was um, just the transformation of the hallway and the decorations, And uh, number seven was, again, a snack, the trail mix. But I got a bag of trail mix. All the snacks are theme related, okay, if you haven't been here. And so the trail mix included goldfish, but it also included Swedish fish, which are like a commodity. And I found four Swedish fish in my bag, so I was just happy (laughs) that I had four Swedish fish in my bag of trail mix. I did not eat all the Cheerios. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Number six was almost staying dry at the uh, water wreck day. Kids love to get wet. They love to get adults wet. Number five was watching Diver Dan's goggles fog up the first day at the worship rally. You had to be there for that. But um, related to that was number four, my number four moment was seeing this room filled up with kids pretty much from side to side. That's how many kids we had was enough to fill up this room. And just hear them sing during the worship rally was awesome. They just sung at the top of their lungs and had a great time. My, top, my third top moment was um, what I call a mom move. I, I happened to observe a mom do this incredible thing. And rarely do these things get seen. But um, it was outside. There was a mom who was also a teacher. And she had her little class. And she was collecting these water bottles that were half filled with water. So she's like, come on come on, you little ducklings, put all your water bottles in the box. And um, this one kid off to the side, like in her peripheral, decides to chuck the water bottle at her, or at the box, you know, to try to make it. And she, you know, she doesn't even look over in her periphery. She just holds up her hand and just grabs the (laughs) bottle. (laughs) And I was sitting there eating a snack, watching this whole thing, and I said, I saw that. I said, rarely do these mom moves get observed, you know. But it did, it was, it was awesome. Um, number two was the Thursday night family night. There's like a conveyor belt of food where just people just get fed very quickly and efficiently thanks to Veronica and her team. Yeah. The number one moment for me though was I got to teach the youth leaders um, devotional. So we had over 20 students that were middle school and high school that were here volunteering. They were not in one of the classes. But I, we did a morning devotional with them. And our, on our last day, we had them fill out just a, a whiteboard of um, just lists pray for. So just me watching the youth list children that they're going to be praying for was um, probably my top moment just from a personal standpoint. But um, as part of that series um, of reflection, we're wrapping up a series today called VBS Stories. We took each one of the stories from the day, and we're kind of exploding it, not only for the teachers, but just to go into the story ourselves. So we're going to end with a good one. It's on the character of Nicodemus. You can turn in your Bible to major character of the Bible, and yet he has this encounter with Jesus that is one of the major encounters of the Bible. Um, so this brief encounter, what comes out of It's incredible. Now, in this series, we've been doing something uh, called storying, which is telling the stories of God instead of reading them. And the purpose is if you can tell a story, that means you know it, but also you can take a story in differently than reading along. So I'd encourage you just to listen to this story from God's Word as I tell it and tell it as a story. So here's a story from God's Word. Um, There was a Pharisee. His name was Nicodemus. And Nicodemus happened to be the ruler of the Jews, one of the rulers of the Sanhedrin. He came to Jesus at night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know you are from God, for no one could do the signs that you're doing unless God is with him. Jesus looked at, unless someone is in the kingdom of God. Nicodemus was puzzled. How can a man be born if he is old? Can... Can he enter into his mother's womb a second time and be born? Jesus looked at him again and said, Nicodemus, this is the truth. Unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. What's born of the flesh is flesh, but what's born of the Spirit is Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying that you must be born again. Take the wind. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Nicodemus stepped back. He held his hands up. What do these things mean? Jesus asked him a question Are you Israel's teacher, and yet you do not understand these things? Nicodemus, this is the truth. We speak about what we know. And we give witness to things that we have seen. But you have not received our testimony. How can I speak to you about heavenly things if I speak to you about earthly things and you do not believe? Listen to this. No one has ascended to heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that anyone who believes in him may have eternal life. It's a brief encounter, but it's powerful. In fact, that encounter ends at John 3.15. The most famous verse of all the Bible, most of us would agree, is John 3.16. And yet, if you look at the context, it's in this powerful dialogue that Jesus has Before we get to what it means to be born again, I want to talk about the setting a little bit, where we find the story. A Pharisee is a separated one, someone who has separated themselves out from culture in such a way that they can observe the Jewish law with precision, that they can refine themselves over and over again to be completely obedient to God without any mistake. That's what a Pharisee would be. Not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, but he was part of the Sanhedrin, which was the ruling 70 of the people, the Jewish people. He would have been responsible to make sure that a false prophet prophet didn't show up. Um, Even Nicodemus says, look, we see these signs. We know they're from God. Um, But Jesus has this personal conversation with Nicodemus. And it happens in the cover of darkness. Did you see that? He came to Jesus by night. Um, Have you ever been in a conversation like around dusk and you're just talking with a friend and it goes on and then all of a sudden you look around and you're like, whoa, it's dark. And how at dusk and into evening, um, the light that we took for for granted all day long, it starts to just kind of dissipate and then it's gone. But it's in the evening that for whatever reason, you know, We've all found ourselves, maybe we're by a fire, that makes it even better. But you can, you know, the day is over, you can have sort of a more of a relaxed conversation. I've been wondering, why would Nicodemus come out at night? I mean, certainly, you know, one of the reasons probably is that darkness covers his um, being with Jesus. Maybe this was a good place for him to find some time alone with Jesus and speak to him about this. And I've been wondering, too, about, like, Nicodemus' tone of voice. I mean, how did he say these things? As I learned the story, I've been wondering, you know, you know, was he, like, terse and quick and frustrated, or was he curious and questioning? We don't know that much about Nicodemus. We have this encounter, and then he shows up a couple other times. In John chapter 7, he is with the Sanhedrin, and he says, Sanhedrin, we should give Jesus a fair trial. And they kind of say, okay, and then they move on. So he tries to stand up for Jesus for a brief moment there. But then in Exodus 19, when all of Jesus' disciples had deserted him, Nicodemus shows up with all these pounds of myrrh and aloes. And he and Joseph of Arimathea, they take Jesus' body from the cross and they wrap it in linen And they they apply the spices to these linens. Nicodemus was one of the men that laid Jesus' body in a a garden tomb. I mean, that's it. That's all we have. We have this encounter with Nicodemus. I mean, from the data points, I think we can say his faith matured. But how he responded, we don't know perfectly. but I want to go back to how he started the conversation. He says, Rabbi, which means teacher, instructor. But then he says something that I I see some pride in. He says, we know you are. Those are his first words out of the gate to the Messiah. We know who you are. We know these signs. So right right away, I mean, what he's saying is about true. It's actually true. True. But I think the way he says it, I see some pride in there. And it, it's made me aware of um, some of the ways that people approach Jesus in life. They approach him with what they know about him, and they let him know that. Maybe it's the situation that they find themselves in, or who knows what. But this is how he starts. And very quickly, Jesus turns it around. He says, this is the truth, Nicodemus. You want to hear the truth? This is the truth. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you. Literally, it's amen, amen. This is the way it is. The King James, verily, verily, I say unto you. Jesus is saying, okay, you can tell me something, but I'm going to tell you how it is. And then, and then Jesus does something amazing with Nicodemus. He, he turns the conversation right back at Nicodemus. Did you see Nicodemus didn't even ask him a question. He says, we know who you are. We think you're from God. Who else could do these signs? And Jesus turns around and says, look, unless someone's born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. I mean, where does that come from? So Nicodemus responds with this confusion: "How can a man, how can a man be born over again?" And this is where I'm not sure if Nicodemus is being like facetious or difficult. Um, I think there's different kinds of misunderstanding when we approach Jesus. There's the first kind of misunderstanding which has to do with information. When the team came back, they said that they shared a story from God's word. That someone had never heard before. So for them, this was new information. Um, and that can be how it is for us with Jesus. We hear about him, we take him in as a child, maybe, or even as an adult, and we process the information. And in a spiritual way, that sometimes leads us to new birth. So, misunderstanding of that way, just not having enough information, is one thing, but there's another type of misunderstanding. And that's this resistance, a refusal to see the truth. And Jesus calls this out in him. He says, you've refused to receive our testimony. Misunderstanding that is, has this at its heart is a refusal to see the truth and to understand. A man can shut his mind to the truth of that what he, what he does not want to accept. And it's, you know, it's easy to sit in a discussion group, um, to go to a Bible study, to talk about the faith with your friends. Um, It's easy to intellectualize our faith in different ways, even with the way that we defend it. Um, But it's something different to entertain being born again. That's a spiritual, um, incredible truth. It's radical It would have been radical to Nicodemus. So Jesus has to clarify. A lot of times when Jesus has a conversation, it's in the unfolding of the truth that we get to see these deep um, things in Scripture. So Jesus repeats it. He says, well, to be born again means to be born of water and the Spirit. Water, for the, um, the Jewish Hebrew person, would have represented purification. That's how it was seen in their history. I wonder if um, Nicodemus was taken back to the prophet Exodus. He should have been familiar with this. In Exodus 36, listen to the words of the prophet spoken of about the nation of Israel and how parallel it is to this passage. Ezekiel speaking on behalf of the Lord, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will burn heart, and I will give you a tender, responsive heart, and I will put my spirit in you. This is what the Lord said to the nation of Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. To be born again, it, the first thing to know about it, to be born again is a work of the Holy Spirit. Um, And this would have been keenly felt by Nicodemus. Nicodemus was the one migrating to perfection in his own strength. That's what he did. He was a Pharisee. He continued to refine the law over and over again to perfection, to be in complete obedience to the Lord in his flesh. Jesus says, no, you have it all wrong, Nicodemus. Nicodemus. What's born of the flesh is flesh. It will only lead you to more things of the earth. Flesh is fleshy. Earth is earthy. Dirt is dirty. What I'm talking about, to be born again, is a work of the Spirit. So he does. Jesus just takes it to the next level. And... I think like some of us, we know how to perfect ourselves in the flesh. Nicodemus understood this process, how to get better. How to get better in your body, in your mind, in your soul, in your beliefs, in your functioning in life. How to improve yourself. It can be done to an extent, right? But Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, your way is the way of the flesh, It's living in your own power and you will not arrive into the kingdom of God on your own power. In fact, you won't even see it. You can't even see the kingdom of God in the flesh. So Jesus beckons Nicodemus. The first two times he talks about being born again, he says, unless someone is born again or unless someone is born of water and spirit. But halfway through, he says, You, Nicodemus, must be born again. And then he talks about the wind and the spirit. And it's here that um, Jesus elevates the question. It's strange to me how difficult it is to say that I'm a born-again Christian. Even those words. In our culture, they have a ring to them. It's It's not the most pleasant ring and it's, it's challenging to go into a secular place and say, yeah, I'm a born-again Christian, right? Isn't it? I'm so glad that, that Jesus used those words to define what it means to be a follower of him, to be born again. There's, there's no other words that can distra- describe it, but to be made new. Um, obedience to the Lord in his flesh. Jesus says, no, you have it all wrong, Nicodemus. What's born of the flesh is flesh. It will only lead you to more things of the earth. Flesh is fleshy. Earth is earthy. Dirt is dirty. What I'm talking about, to be born again, is a work of the Spirit. So he does. Jesus just takes it to the next level and I think like some of us we know how to perfect ourselves in the flesh Nicodemus understood this process how to get better how to get better in your body in your mind, in your soul in your beliefs, in your functioning in life how to improve yourself it can be done to an extent right? But Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, your way is the way of the flesh. It's living in your own power and you will not arrive into the kingdom of God on your own power. In fact, you won't even see it. You can't even see the kingdom of God in the flesh. So Jesus beckons Nicodemus. The first two times he talks about being born again, he says, unless someone is born again, or unless someone is born of water and spirit. But halfway through, he says, you, Nicodemus, must be born again. And then he talks about the wind and the spirit. And it's here that um, Jesus elevates the question. It's strange to me how difficult it is to say that I'm a born-again Christian. Even those words. In our culture, they have a ring to them is not, it's not the most pleasant ring, and it's, it's challenging to go into a secular place and say, yeah, I'm a born-again Christian, right? Isn't it? I'm so glad that, that Jesus used those words to define what it means to be a follower of him, to be born again. There's, there's no other words that can distra- describe it, but to be made new, Um. It's it's amazing. So Nicodemus, I think by the end, is left with no doubt. Um, I think at least for him it's clear, okay, I don't need to continue to tweak my Judaism. Jesus did not come in the flesh to just modify what was happening in the life of the, the people of God at that time. He came, he came to upend it and change it. And he called for something entirely new to be born again. It had been foreshadowed and now Jesus was fulfilling it. We'll end with the last thing that Jesus talks about. He, he goes even deeper into a deeper argument. I'm, I'm just amazed at this passage at how much Jesus is able to talk to with a few back and forths. And I think it's fun to learn and and to practice this because of it. But let me just tell you this. We should be shocked whenever Jesus equates himself with a serpent in a story, okay? Jesus says that just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that anyone who looks on him will have eternal life. What is he talking about? Well, again, for Nicodemus, this would have been really profound because when Israel was in the wilderness, there's only a few verses that speak to this. Um, Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. The people um, had disobeyed God in the wilderness, and as part of that, God had said, well, you're going to receive the plagues that I sent in Egypt. You're going to experience them in the desert. So God sent upon them. uh, His wrath came upon them in snakes, the snakes started biting people, and they died. The people cried out to Moses, and Moses interceded for them to God. And God said to Moses, "Fashion a serpent in in bronze and hold it up to the people, so that whenever they have to need healing from being bit by a snake, they have to look at the serpent. And the serpent would remind them of both their disobedience, but it also would bring them healing. It's a bizarre story." Israel messed it up later. They tried to redo it, and it, it just things have gone south several times for them since then. But here Jesus is equating himself with a serpent in the story. Um, throughout their history, they've been puzzled by the story, especially in the view of fact that they were never to fashion anything in an image or a likeness, and yet here they did. What Jesus is doing is he's equating himself with the serpent, which, like I said, it's amazing how much Jesus opens up in this brief encounter. This serpent was um, like Jesus is the Son of Man, he's in our likeness. It says the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus um, is a man. There's one mediator between God and, and mankind. It's the man, Jesus Christ. The man, Jesus Christ, needed to be lifted up to become a sacrifice among all people such that when we look at him, we recognize that he is taking upon us the sin that, that we deserve. And that's exactly what was happening in that story is that there was a connection with the serpent and the serpents on the ground, the like kind of the two. And Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, um, this is not going to be accomplished by you. This is going to be accomplished by me. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to ascend to heaven. And it's amazing. So Jesus is shedding new light on this story for Nicodemus. And... think for us, it's a good reminder um, that the Son of Man must be lifted up on the cross for this new birth to be accomplished. And then the last thing that we see is that um, the last phrase that Jesus says is that whoever, whoever believes will have eternal life. I mean, think about that going to Nicodemus. He was the the top person of the people of God. He was the one that was actually fulfilling what the people of God were supposed to do. He was the one that should be in and all the rest should be out. And Jesus is saying, no, you have it all wrong. You have it all wrong. Anyone, anyone who believes will have eternal life. And then it ends with this, this confession of belief. So Jesus, very quickly, he talks about the new birth. What it means to be born again, it's a work of the Spirit. You can't accomplish it in your own power. It's something that's accomplished by Jesus when he's lifted up. But it does involve you and your belief. And, and then Jesus held up a cardboard sign with John 3.16 on it. And then that was the end the story Um, but as we close it is fun to look at John 3.16 in context so there you have it it really is coming off of this profound dialogue that Jesus is having with Nicodemus so as we close I want to challenge you we've looked at four characters we looked at Zacchaeus Zacchaeus needed to be seen he needed to be heard he needed to be invited and maybe that's what you need the blind man needed to be healed, needed to be shown who the Savior was. The woman at the well needed forgiveness. She needed to be called out of her sin and encouraged to go and worship the Lord in truth and in spirit. And then we have Nicodemus, who Nicodemus didn't need anything. He came to Jesus telling him who he was. And Jesus said, No, you're all wrong. It, it's actually the opposite. And it's uh, something that can only be accomplished by my spirit. So I want to just pray for us. I'm going to invite the worship team as they come. I'll say a prayer over us. The two things about the prayer are um, just a personal invitation for you to believe in Jesus. It's an opening uh, up of both knowledge but also a spiritual opening of being made new to see what Jesus has done, and to believe is to look upon Jesus on the cross to confess his name as Lord. So he goes from teacher, rabbi, to Lord and Savior, and to believe and confess his name, and that's what it is to be born again. And then we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to go on, not in the flesh, but in the spirit, to live out um, a faithful life to God. So allow me to pray for us. Father, if there's anyone here that um, has not been born again, Lord, the invitation is the same as it was to Nic- Nicodemus. Lord, this invitation is not something that you can do on your, in your flesh on your own power. It's something that has been accomplished already on the cross um, by Jesus Christ. He has been lifted up as the Son of Man to become a curse even though he was sinless and without sin, he became sin so that in him we might become righteous. That's the exchange on the cross that we all experience in the new birth. So I want to invite you to, um, to call out to Jesus, even in this song, to do that. The, the lyrics of this song uh, make that cry. And if you'd like to come and pray with me, Uh, after the service or during this song, I'm more than willing to uh, pray that prayer with you. And I also want to challenge all of you here. um, Having heard these stories from God, I want to ask you what story will you learn and what story will you share in your life? Father, we look to you now, God, and just ask that you would empower us with your spirit. God, we can't do this on our own. We need your help. We need to be changed. We need to be made new. God, we need to be born again, made whole. We praise you for that in Jesus' name, amen.